Blog Talk Radio. Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. Hello, modern lovers. Well, this is the biggest topic on everyone's mind, and that is love. That is all anyone is talking about. I just found out that even the Dr. Oz show is sponsoring this season many, many different activities, many shows, all about love. In fact, it's called All About Love. And why? Because love affects every single aspect of our lives. It affects our health, our wealth, our happiness, and, of course, it affects even the next generation, how we handle our love lives And I'm really happy that our guest tonight is going to help us to understand more deeply how we can do a better job loving. Now, if you are looking for love, if you have had a broken heart, if you are someone who's in a relationship that's in trouble, it doesn't matter where you are on your love journey. That's why we're here. We at Modern Love Training have monthly live trainings. We have twice-a-year Modern Love Retreats. And we have all kinds of teleseminars and books to support you. Even if all you do is follow us on social media at Dr. Brenda Wade on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, we are sending out every day things to inspire you, to uplift you, and to give you some training on your journey. It's crucial that every one of us learn how to love. So I'm going to ask you, Renee, if you would just introduce yourself and why you've chosen to devote your life to helping people to live a much, much better, healthier life. Well, my name is Renee Jones, and I'm a counselor and coach, and I... um, focus on overcoming the triggers of comfort eating. And I do that because I spent 40 years on a diet, yo-yoing up and down, and could not find the way to lose the weight and keep it off until I finally found the answer for me, and that was in figuring out the whole comfort eating, stress eating. So, Renee, I want to ask you, I thank you for leading off. I'm wondering if you could just button up for us from your own experience, what does that have to do with love? Because there are people sitting there going, well, what does comfort eating have to do with love? Well, very often what we're looking for in the food that we're stuffing down is love for ourselves from someone else. Sometimes, you know, the holiday foods that we have every year, they tend to be 
an emotion and most often love wrapped up in pastry or chocolate because we associate those oh my god love wrapped up with with chocolate love wrapped up with chocolate and pastry i mean think about it that's that's really an interesting idea Mm. that we start Mm. to associate actually the thing that we need and want all of us are actually hardwired for which is love and we Mm. associate food with that so mm-hmm. I know you've identified what you call triggers for comfort eating, and we'll get back to talking with you about that minute in just a minute. But, Renee, uh, you've also tried every diet in the book, every new <laughs> weight loss fad, every magic pill out there. Tell us more about your own journey with these triggers for eating. Well, you know, the, the problem is is that it always seems like a really good idea to start a new diet. It'll be easier. It'll be fresh. They lost it. They lost their, their weight on this. It'll be easy for me. And the truth of the matter is it still comes down to watching what you put in your mouth and getting a little bit of exercise. I mean, truthfully, it's 80% nutrition and 20% everything else. But if we can just find whatever works for us and do that rather than chasing all the magic things. Now, how did you become a comfort eater? How did this become an issue for you as you were growing up? And how big an issue did it become? Well, I think, um, you know, Dr. Brenda, the thing is we are trained from birth because when a baby cries, we put something in their mouths, whether it's the breath or a bottle or a pacifier or sometimes just your finger. Because there is, you, you do get a, a, a kick of dopamine when you do that. And we just think, okay, this makes me feel better. So I will just keep putting things in my mouth. And we graduate from the pacifier to a donut. Mm. Now, how did it start for you? Um, well, I, actually, I think it started when I went into school because prior to that, I was a skinny little kid, and my mother said that I would eat like a bird a little bit all day long. But when you're not in school, you can do that. When you get to school, then you have to fit into these regimented time periods, and I guess I just started eating way more than I needed just to get through the next one because I was so accustomed to free feeding, and I just got uh, pretty heavy by the time I was 10. Mm. So do you think that there was anything going on for you emotionally? Because so many people, as you said earlier, equate food with love. Mm. Yes. Well, and yes, um, I I had a very great connection with both my mother and my grandmother around, of all things, peanut butter. And I think because my family moved quite a lot in those early years, I probably needed something consistent. And food was, is always there. It doesn't matter where you go, you're going to have food, and your mother's going to make what you've always had. So yes, and moving certainly creates a lot of anxiety in a young child. You know, yes. there's there's a lot in moving frequently where you're the new kid. Uh, I've worked with so many people over the years in our trainings and workshops where they had this pattern, whether because parents were in the military or moving for whatever reasons, it creates anxiety. And as you said, one quick way to shut down anxiety is food, especially if it's those foods that are high in fat and sugar. Isn't that right? Absolutely. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so pause with me for just a second. You've got us off to a great start. And Renee Jones talking with us tonight about pack your own bag, and she'll tell us more about packing the bag. So I want to let you know that we welcome your questions here, and I'm going to take a quick question from a listener. It says, Dear Dr. Brenda, I've been married to my wife for seven years, but we've been together 11. She has two children whom I love and treat as my own. My problem is that my wife loves to bake and lets the kids eat whatever, whenever, as much as they want. My older daughter has graduated college. She's worked out and lost weight. However, my son and younger daughter have ballooned to obese. No matter what I say to my wife, she continues with food like homemade ice cream, no nutrition, and I'm concerned, concerned dad in Denver. Well, concerned, you're right to be concerned, but it sounds to me as if you and your wife have been round and round and round about this. Time to stop going around and around and sit down with someone who can help the two of you to understand why food is her way of showing love where does that come from for her why is she not able to see that creating bad eating habits is actually harming your children and this isn't something you can argue someone out of you can't wring your hands enough if they have a relationship with food that's off we have to get to the bottom of what's there and on top of it as i'm sure our guest is going to tell us in a moment we need support it's very challenging to change habits without support that's why there are 12-step programs for people with difficulties in their relationship with food because it is a relationship isn't it, Renee? It is, absolutely. So for you, you know, you have written a book called What's Really Eating You, Overcome the Triggers of Comfort Eating. And I can say firsthand, I've been working with guests from the Dr. Oz show now for about five years, and each time I go on the show, I take away people that I coach privately on weight, and one of them has been very open about her journey. Her name is Kai, and she sends me photographs every few months, and she has lost, she topped out at about 340 pounds and has now lost 140 pounds. She's within 20 pounds of her goal weight, and my approach aligns with yours, which is why I was so excited to have you on the show. My (laughs) approach is it's not what you're eating It's what's eating you. And she has been a guest on the show and told her story. Anyone who wants to go back in the archives and look, you'll see Kai telling her story about weight loss. And what she found is what was missing for her was forgiving herself. She had not forgiven herself for what she thought was a big mistake she had made when, in fact, it wasn't a mistake at all. She was young, and and her parents had not given her the kind of love and support she needed. She got to the bottom of that, and she stabilized. And without dieting, because I forbid dieting, she was able to lose the weight. Now, when you start talking about some of the stories in your book, do you find that there are people like Kai who need to do the forgiveness work? What are you finding? Oh, absolutely. 
and and most often it's forgiving themselves. Sometimes it's forgiving someone else. But forgiveness is a huge part of our emotional well-being. Um, so it, it's either that or just some sort of grief that they're, what I say, we're stuffing down our feelings and following it with a food chaser. Oh, wow. That's good. So you've developed a model called HANG. And it's four steps for getting the hang of overcoming comfort eating. So how do we overcome it when part of it is we need to do emotional work? And then what does hang help us with? Well, it's an acronym. The H is hungry. And the question you ask yourself, am I hungry? And if you are, you probably need something to eat. But if you are not, then you go to the A. What is the attraction to food? And then the end is, what do I need other than food? And then the G is go. Go get that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then once people, dare I say, get the hang of using the hang model, <laughs> yes. how, do they, how do they stay with it? How do you encourage people to hold on to the acronym and keep working with it? Well, you know, Dr. Brenda, it's always one day at a time, and you have to choose this because we've been doing it the other way for so long. You have to choose to make different choices with what you're doing. You have to choose to, to figure out, okay, what, why am I attracted to food right now, and what is it that I actually need, and will I make myself go get it? Um, you just have to set up some support and some parameters for yourself so that you have the best possible chance of succeeding. Yeah, I agree with you about the parameters and support. I've noticed that a lot of the people that I've worked with, and this is especially an issue when one person in a couple like the dad in Denver has a problem in their relationship with food and the other person doesn't know what to do. So let me just say, if you're in a couple where one person is struggling with their relationship with food, there's a program for the person who isn't struggling with food, just as there's a program for people who are overeaters or undereaters or who are having difficulty with food. You can find all those programs online. They're under the general heading of Overeaters Anonymous, but you don't have to be an overeater to qualify. But there's an anonymous program for the partners of the people with eating difficulty because without meaning to, you can contribute to the problem with haranguing and nagging and making the person feel badly about what they're struggling with. So I encourage you, if you're a partner, the most loving thing you can do is work on your piece of the puzzle. Now, Renee, what do people do if they're using food to soothe themselves, eating on autopilot? Mm. Yes. If you're going to eat on autopilot, then you may as well be eating celery because you're going to enjoy it about that much. But what I what I tell my clients, particularly um, autopilot when they're watching television, is, okay, just first choose. Do you want to eat or do you want to do TV? Because it's better not to do both at the same time. Why is that? Because you, it makes it more automatic. 
you're you're eating, you're you're watching TV, your hand moves as fast as the action on the TV. You oh, get that's distracted. interesting. And that's why I eat more popcorn if it's something that's moving fast. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're matching, now you're I know. So you mean on. I can't have my popcorn when I'm sitting there watching something? <laughs> well, if you're, if you're going to do that, measure it and give yourself a serving or part of a serving. Make sure you don't have the whole bag in front of you because the whole bag will disappear. Let's be honest. Yes, I but am being I... honest. The whole bag does disappear, Renee. <laughs> <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. too easy, and especially that olive oil popcorn. Love that stuff. Olive oil with sea salt. That's my special brand. Now, I only Set do it about once a month, about once a month, but, man, do I love it. So we need to measure it before we sit down and eat the whole thing. Okay, I can Set, do that. Set your now, what about the, Yeah, what about the business of, of putting something in our mouths to soothe ourselves? You know, there are um, – I mean, some people might use a pen. Some people would go to their nails. Those are not necessarily things we need to do. And what's true is that we're now adults, and we can find other ways to soothe ourselves. We don't have to go back to that very basic thing of of putting something in your mouth. What are some of the other ways that people could soothe themselves that don't involve food? I think it's great to have alternatives. And those things will be very individual because what soothes you may not soothe me. I mean, it could be a walk. It could be a chat with your partner. It could be uh, playing with the dog. It could be stroking the cat. It could be getting a manicure. It could, you know, some people go shopping. But find the, make your own list of things that you find soothing. I you know, there's one the thing, yeah, there's one thing I would like to add to the list, and that is, Take a minute and ask yourself what you're really feeling and write it down. Because when mm. we get to the bottom of why we need soothing, there's usually some feeling there. Something didn't go well. Somebody said something we didn't like. Uh, I got a letter from somebody today that hurt my feelings. We have to get to what the feelings are. And I find that that's really helpful. Absolutely. And sometimes it's just our inner critic who will not shut up. <laughs> yep, and we have, I know what you mean. Whose voice is it? You know, what is going on for you? What is your attraction to food there? Mm-hmm. And what will food that? Now, what do you do if you're at an all-you-can-eat party or buffet? Oh, pray. No. Um, pray. Okay, I, praying is a good start. <laughs> I tend to kind of survey the food offerings and think, okay, what do I truly want from this? When after my husband and I got married, we'd been to a couple of all-you-can-eat buffets, and I said, you know, I I just didn't end up eating too much. He said, well, I don't look at it as a way to stuff myself silly. I look at it as a way to try different foods that I wouldn't normally have. And I thought, huh, that's an interesting idea. So look for foods that either you truly love and really won't enjoy the evening unless you have them, or foods you've never tried and just get a a small amount. So this is another opportunity to measure out the food. Generally, not necessarily, you know, don't get your weighing scales out or anything, but just take a a spoon, take a smaller plate so it looks bigger on the plate. Yeah, that's a good trick. Yes. 
Be mindful so, of what you're putting there. Yeah, and when we talk about the real secret to weight loss, isn't mindfulness part of weight loss and managing weight? Absolutely, because we eat so fast, we're not even paying attention. I remember uh, Oprah told a story a number of years ago about going to France, and she wanted a croissant, but she decided she would buy two because she knew she would inhale the first one, and she wanted to enjoy the second one. Mm, wow. So if you just enjoy the first one, that's the thing, is we don't taste our food anymore. We eat it so fast we don't even realize we've had it, and suddenly it's gone, and we think, well, I just want to get to enjoy it. So if we'll actually slow down, think about the food we're eating. That's why I say get away from the TV, because you're watching TV or you're eating. Doing the both of them does neither of them credit. So if you slow down Think about what you're eating and truly enjoy it. Squeeze every bit of flavor out of every bite. You won't need yeah, it. Yeah, and you know, one trick my mother taught us when we were kids, and bless mom, this was very helpful. She said, put your fork down between bites. Yes. Excellent. If you chew with the fork still in your hand, you're going to eat too fast, and that does lead to eating too much, doesn't it? It does. You know, I, I lived in the U.K. for a couple of years, and they eat with a fork and a knife in each hand. And it was so right. awkward for me at first to try to figure out how to manage that that it did slow me down. Well, so I have another you question for you. It. Yeah, anything to slow the pace. I have another question here from one of our listeners. It says, Dear Dr. Brenda, my son, Scott Dodderson, Allison, uh, daughter-in-law, Allison, announced their second pregnancy via email, asked me to keep the news in the immediate family. For now, I got so happy and excited, I told my sister. Uh, it turns out my sister shared the news with her daughter, who's good friends with Allison. Then my niece congratulated her. At the end of the day, Allison sent me a really nasty, nasty email. She's furious. I realized I was wrong. I apologize. What more can I do? Wow. Well, that is a tough one, so sorry in Tampa, because being sorry is the first step. One of the things that helps people to get to forgiveness is to say, I know I betrayed your trust, not just say you're sorry. I know this must have made you feel unsafe, exposed you to attention you weren't ready for. This is called walking in the other person's moccasins. Get over in her shoes and say to her, I get how you must have felt. Just saying I'm sorry doesn't acknowledge the feelings. And then the second piece is ask her what she needs from you that would make her feel better and tell her, I don't need you to answer now. I don't need you to forgive me now. I need you to just take your time and anything I can do to alleviate this Please let me know. But the good apology always includes taking responsibility. I got so excited. I got carried away. I know that this hurt you, upset you, whatever it is. Okay, sorry in Tampa. Say more than sorry. That's the answer. So, Renee, back to you. You get the final word. What is the diet that works? The one you will follow. 
Well, because what about people who go up matter. and down, up and down, up and down? They've tried all these different diets, and they've discovered that they just can't stick with the diet. What should they do? Either make peace with yourself as the size that you are and be okay with that, or create some rules for yourself. Get, um, get some help. Sometimes that really helps is to have someone holding you accountable and talking you through all of the feelings that you're having. But find what you most need to get to the goal that you most want. Yeah, I love it that you said get support. Uh, A lot of the research is in that what helps us to stick with any kind of change, whether it's going to the gym, whether it's staying with, any kind of health change, it's really getting support. So I want to back you up there, Renee, and encourage everyone. You know, one of the reasons we do our trainings and retreats, and by the way, everyone, we have a retreat coming up September 11th, 12th, and 13th. Whatever, whatever you want to transform in your life, whether it's your relationship with food, whether it's fitness, money, love, or you just know it's time for you to get a booster shot, to grow, and above all, we all need to take time away from our busy lives and do what I call a deep, deep recharge. Send me an email or call and let us know you're interested in the retreat. The email is love at docwade.com. It's three days in beautiful Ukiah, California. We've got horses for equine therapy. We have a Lakota shaman who will do special healing medicine with us. And we're going to do some deep work to get your body into such a state of relaxation with yoga and meditation and qigong. You're going to feel like a new puppy when you come out. So do join us for that. Now, Renee... The other thing I'm curious about is what's been your experience with people who have used 12-step programs like Overeaters Anonymous? Um, they, they work for people who will work the plan. I mean, that, that is what comes down to it. The number one reason diets fail and, and 12-step programs fail is because people look at them as short-term uh, things to do rather than as a lifestyle change. The way you've eaten all in the past is familiar to you, but that's got you where you are. And in order to get to where you want to go, you have to change how you do food. Mm. So one of the things 12-step programs offer in addition to the support and the changing, as you just said, the behaviors, there's also a component there that's spiritual, is that something that you recommend or you've had experience with helping people with the spiritual side? Yes, yes. And I think if you if you get in touch with your spiritual tradition, then that gives you a, a broader sense of why you might do this. I mean, your body was fearfully and wonderfully made. It's important to take care of it so that you can do the mission that is before you. Hmm. I love it that you said that because that's something that I think people lose sight of. We tend to focus on the problem 
rather than saying, hey, there's something here I'm meant to do. I have a purpose. And if I look at the purpose, maybe it will inspire me in a way that it'll be easier to let go of the behaviors that aren't serving me. Wow. And it's important to look at what you can have rather than focusing on what maybe you choose not to have anymore. So what do you recommend? Are there any foods that you say, hey, these are off the list, just don't go there, because they set off that kind of chain reaction of cravings? Or are there foods that you say, hey, these are, well, what are the ones that should be on the off, do not go there list? I think... I think do not go there can, can really upset people, and they think that that tends to set off cravings. But what I did two years ago was say, I only have sugar on Sundays because if you, if you give up sugar for a period of time, a week, 10 days, you won't have the cravings anymore. And it sets off a craving in me. I know if I do have sugar on a Sunday, then by Tuesday I'm going to be looking for other bits of sugar. And it just helps me. It keeps my blood sugar level. It keeps my mood much more level if I stay away from sugar. So if there's one food I would say, if you can give it up, it would be sugar. Wow. So you mean processed sugar, not the natural sugars that are in fruit and things like that? I do mean processed sugar, and I would be careful with fruit, you know, make sure it's in its most natural state rather than, you know, canned. Or, okay. Or, uh, so, everyone, do what you can to give up sugar. That's a tall order, I know, for some of us. I'm raising my hand. It would be hard for me. However, for me. The, things, okay, the things we can do to make our lives happier and healthier really do start with nutrition. And I really believe food is medicine. We're talking to Renee Jones tonight. Her recent book is What's Really Eating You? Overcoming Triggers of Comfort Eating. Her website is www.packyourownbag.com. And I like that pack your own bag. You can certainly reach me at love at docwade.com. We'd love to hear from you and to join us at any time that you will make that commitment for a retreat or training or teleseminar. Many thanks to our executive producer, Mr. LeGrand Green, our associate producer, Mr. Cliff Dunning, and to all of you modern lovers, bless you, I love you, and good night. Okay, thanks, Renee. Uh, We'll get you a copy out uh, soon. We'll get you a version for you. Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right. It was great. And, uh, yeah, LeGrand will be in touch. Thank you much. Okay. All right. (laughs) Okay. Have a good evening. Bye.
Bye-bye.